Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams, and friends, my co-host is back, Rachel Myers. Hi, guys. Hi. (laughs) And guess what, you guys? She's also our guest. That's right. Rachel Myers, welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast. I have always wanted to be a guest on the She Reads Truth Podcast. It's funny to get to sit in the literal guest seat. Friends, I did. I made her. We sit in the same places every time we record in the office, and I put her in the hot seat, we call it. Mm -hmm. And Amanda took my seat, which it turns out, I sat down and I thought, I said, I didn't think, I said, wait, this is so much more comfortable than where I usually sit. Rachel's been holding out on I've me. been holding out in host seat one, and yeah. now you've got that. Well, now we'll just have to like thumb wrestle for it every like time. It. I'm happy to share. So you all know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, Rachel Myers, <laughs> the one and only Rachel Myers, in addition to being co-host of the She Reads Truth podcast, Rachel is the founder of She Reads Truth. She was part of of the group of a tiny handful. And when I say handful, Rachel, we mean a literal handful of women. Yeah. Like four women Mm -hmm. who said, I want to read the Bible more. Me too. Mm -hmm. Said this on Twitter where the rest of us were eavesdropping because that's what you do. And it began this movement that began the ministry that we now get to steward together called She Reads Truth. We're sitting here today. Uh Because of that conversation, because the Spirit sparked in us Mm -hmm. a passion and a hunger Yeah, when we were in a famine of our own doing. Yeah, that's That's right. right. That's right. That's exactly right. And now today, you get to... I mean, you're welcome to also co- co-host yourself <laughs> no, a little, I'm excited. a little bit. But I'm excited for you to get the opportunity to kind of take off your host hat okay. and be a she who reads truth, which it's sort of like returning to your first love. It's right? my favorite thing to be. Yeah, and so I'm excited not only to welcome you back to the podcast because we have missed you. Mm, I've missed being here. Yeah, we've missed you so much. I mean, we talk about these beginnings of She Reads Truth, and mm-hmm. one of the kindest things that God did was that He appointed two Thank women you, to be leaders mm-hmm. for She Reads Truth. I've not had to do this alone for a single day. Yeah, and yeah. the same for you. I mean, Absolutely. technically, you did have to record a lot of podcasts alone without me, but but yeah. we have each other well, for that reason, and it's been we just have felt so cared for in advance from long ago. Yeah. And even then I wasn't alone. I mean, you were very much present and like you were praying Mm -hmm. for me. You were offering so much moral support and care. And I mean, that is the way that you remember when we used to say, because running a growing ministry and a startup business is difficult. (laughs) Um, And do you remember when we used to like say that we would just take turns, like having whatever breakdowns or whatever? It's like, I'm very emotional today. It's okay. I'm not. That's okay. I'm fine today. Yeah. yeah. But I may not be tomorrow. That's right. So I'm going to count on you to be okay tomorrow. That's right. And we've had our share of uh, we both go under the table. You guys, when we say that, (laughs) there was a season, a very long one. Actually, maybe it just ended. Yeah. Where when we would get overwhelmed with something, we would crawl under whatever table we were meeting at. Now, only if it was really just the two of us. Yeah. We didn't do this in like a an actual meeting with other people. It made me start to think that we needed to like write encouraging things under our tables. Just put some, <laughs> just in some case verses we, from John up on the bottom side there. of the desk. <laughs> but yeah, but we've had each other and it has been just as the Lord intended it to be. We're really, really grateful. That's right. Um, so those of you out there in, in beginning stages of hard things, mm-hmm. find a buddy, even if it's not a partner in what you're doing, mm-hmm. you need a partner in life. You need a sister Don't go it or alone. brother. Yes, you need someone mm-hmm. who you can take turns reminding true things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is what will, I mean, I hate to oh, segue, no, but like... Oh, uh, look at her. She can't help it. But that's what, like, that's what's happening here. That's exactly right. Yep, that's right. We're not going it alone. That's right. And neither did Jesus. He didn't go it alone. Mm -hmm. The disciples weren't expected to go it alone. Nope. There were 12 of them, Mm -hmm. which is nice, Mm -hmm. don't you think? So, friends, as a reminder, we are in the Gospel of John. We began the new year in a gospel, which is our favorite thing to do. And this is week five, which is also our final week of our series in John. So we left off last week, Ray, We the last verse we read last week was John 16, 35. Okay. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Mm. And because I do have the privilege of knowing you very well, yeah. 
I happen to know that that verse and that passage means a lot to you. It does. And the book of John itself. Can you tell us a little bit about why that verse specifically means so much to you? Yeah. Well, I mean, to begin with, as a kid, I was expected to memorize a lot of scripture. It was actually like scripture memorization was a part of my academic success, like of my grades, you know, which you think like, oh, that's not cool. But like, no, that's cool. And I'll tell you why, (laughs) you know, I mean, and so that's why we have our kids memorizing Mm -hmm. scripture, not even tied to their schooling Mm -hmm. or anything like that. But in our home, we are actively memorizing scripture because, first of all, kids memorize scripture a lot easier than than adults do. And I think that, you know— I think that's one of the passages that I think is very important to memorize because for me, in my personal experience, mm-hmm. 13 years ago, Ryan and I were walking out of what we thought was a routine ultrasound appointment, pregnant 20 weeks with our second child, and the ultrasound didn't go the way that we had planned. We didn't know very much at all at that point. We mm-hmm. knew that she had fluid on her brain. We knew that there were some measurements that were off, and we knew that we would begin a process of digging into what might happen to her. So at that stage, I remember we had parked at the children's hospital at Vanderbilt in the parking garage, had a very long day of tests, and then came out. And we're 25 years old. We're so young. We're babies. Mm -hmm. And I just remember walking out to the parking garage, and there was no chance on earth that we could remember even where we parked our car Mm -hmm. because that day had just become such a blur. But I remember holding Ryan's hand and out of my body came words, not because I wanted to say them or thought they would be the right things to say. But I remember looking at him and out of my body came, in this world we will have trouble, but take heart, for he has overcome the world. Mm. There was no human word that I could say to him, to my husband of four or five years at that point. But I had words in me. The spirit was in me. So like, Amanda, you bring up that verse and like, that was... Yeah. In me, and it was out of me, and it was true. It was the true thing that I could tell That's him. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It probably didn't feel so, well. The trouble part felt true. Yeah, yeah. You know, and a little comforting, in all honesty. In yeah. this world, you will have trouble. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because just pretending like everything's going to be okay all the time yeah. is not an actual ministry to yeah. our spirits. Yeah. Right. Because it doesn't align with what we look around and what we experience. Man, that Vanderbilt parking garage. I mean, is it. a sacred place, isn't it? Oh boy, well, you could tell some stories about we that garage. Could tell some stories, <laughs> and just to not leave our listeners hanging who don't know our story. Indeed, yeah. we had trouble. Three months later, our daughter was delivered, but she was not living when she was born, and. Even on that day, he had overcome the world. Yeah. And there were so many days in the 12 weeks between that one and the one that we got to hold her little right. body that were bathed in Scripture, where I would wake up in the night to the sound of my own voice, mm-hmm. quoting Scripture. Right. And I think the thing is, that's why we read truth. Yeah. That's yeah, why we read is. truth. It is, because it is true. And we're going to talk a lot about that this week, because mm-hmm. we're going to go through This is not a light week of reading in terms of weightiness, Mm -hmm. you know, that we're going to read about the crucifixion and we're also going to read about the resurrection and the defeat of death. And that is still true. I mean, 13 years later, as you miss your little girl. Yeah, that's right. You know, because it doesn't make it not hurt. Absolutely. Like to be like, even like I was explaining this final, you know, part of that story for our listeners, but to be clear, not to put a bow on that. Right. They're not a bow for this. Yeah, in this in-between two advents, although we know that death is conquered and the tears will go away, we also acknowledge the death and the tears and the pain right right now. And we have a Savior, Ray, who intentionally walked in suffering Mm -hmm. to dwell with us and to take on the punishment for our sin and to be our great high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, Mm -hmm. you know? And so we just, as we wrapped up last week, we were reading about the promise of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It was for the disciples good that he go away, which feels bizarre. It's like, no, it's not. It's better if you're here. Yeah. It's like, no, but if I go, you have the Holy Spirit. Like, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And so when we see Jesus walking intentionally toward Mm -hmm. his own death, yeah. And so we're going to read some of that this week. And the story doesn't end there. We know that. But we also are not going to skip this part of the story, right? even though it's hard. Yeah. And we're going to lean in a little bit today. And so we're going to start. We're in John chapter 17. And this is such a sweet passage because 
it's a whole chapter of Jesus praying. And he's going to pray for himself. I feel like anytime we get to hear Jesus praying. We need to be quiet and listen. Yeah. 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 Well, so part of the notes that the team gave us, where they just are, you know, kind of pointing out things that we uh, may or may not know about the passage, oftentimes things that we don't know about the passage. But there evidently this talk that like this could be called the Lord's Prayer because it's our Lord praying. Mm, yeah. Because whereas, you know, what we call the Lord's Prayer is Jesus teaching when you us pray. how to pray. Yeah. This is actually Him his prayer. And so he's praying for himself. I kind of like that theory. It's I like kind of neat, right? Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I, I have feelings about it, but I can't quite pin what they are yet. I'm going to have to sit with it for a little while. Is the phrase the Lord's Prayer non-canonical? Like that's yeah, not I don't in scripture so. anywhere. Nope. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So somebody... Somebody made that up. Probably a group of people, very thoughtful, Really smart, yeah. thoughtful people. It's, none of this happens over coffee. We agree. I do like that this is, in some ways also, or a different way, yeah. it's our, our Lord's, Lord's prayer. prayer. That's okay. Right. And so he's going to pray for himself. He's going to pray for his disciples. He's going to pray for all believers. Oof including us. Yeah. So let's read some How does of that it. make you feel? Like, does that make, sorry, I know I'm not no, supposed to interview, ask. but like praying for all believers, like that makes me feel equal parts, very small and very near. That yeah. he would like. I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, mm-hmm. just like that my God would name me in his hour of like, I mean, not he's not in Gethsemane at this point, but like his time is approaching. And did you notice in reading John that we don't get the prayer in Gethsemane yeah. in John. Yeah. I don't think that I'd really noticed that before. But instead, we get this, which it's a good distinction to make that this is not the same thing as the prayer in Gethsemane that we read about yeah, in, yeah. in some of the other Gospels. But Rachel, something that you may not know is that we really love to hear our guests read scripture. Oh, do you? <laughs> on the Share okay. Street podcast. <laughs> so if you would oblige us. I just happen to love, love to read scripture. Okay, so, excellent, yeah. excellent. Well, let's start with this section where Jesus prays for himself. John okay. 17, 1 through 5. Okay. Jesus prays for himself. Jesus spoke these things, looked up into heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. I am going to point out here and pause. As I was reading this chapter 17, mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this, but I was surprised by the number of so that's. I know. Now that we've been looking for them for right. a while. I feel like you taught me to look for those, everywhere. but there's purpose in the so uh-huh. that's. Uh-huh. It's the answer to the why. I love it because it helps me like perk up a little bit. Okay. Which, yeah. you know, I will confess that sometimes when I'm reading scripture, my mind might wander. And I feel yeah. like when I see a so that, I'm like, oh, oh. Something's yeah. coming. Yeah. But like, I might have missed some, but I circled 11 so that's in this Whoa. chapter. Yeah. So that's a lot. Listen as we read. You're going to notice them too. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Okay. As I was saying, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all people so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Before the world existed, which feels like a callback. Hey, Father, remember that time Uh we were together before the world existed? That's right. It's in John 1... Does it say that the Word was with God and the Word was God? He was with God in the beginning. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And funny that you point that out because another thing that the very smart people on our team report that a lot of other smart people, I just had never noticed this before either, was that this whole section, not just the section you read, but this whole prayer in John 17, some scholars say that it summarizes the entire book. Because if you go through oh. and you look at these themes, so just like that one, yeah, that you're right. Jesus was with God in the beginning. So this Trinitarian moment, yeah. which to be clear, all moments are Trinitarian moments, yes, yes, yes. But, but like an overtly Trinitarian moment, but that Jesus reveals the Father, you know, that's been a theme that we've seen totally. time and time again. And so that is also in like verse three, this is eternal life that they may know you. Jesus' submission to the Father, like we constantly see Jesus pointing yeah. to God the Father, pointing to God the Father. And we get that here in four too. Like, 
I've glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Mm -hmm. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. And then it keeps going, like as he continues to pray for the disciples and all believers, you will see kingdom language, the mission of the kingdom. We'll see notes about persecution, which we've very clearly seen in the book of John, the power of the spirit. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, you probably even see that if you trace those so that's. Like, I know we can't probably read all of them, but like I'll read some of those it says, so that they may be one as we are one, mm-hmm. so that the scripture may be fulfilled, so they may have my joy completed in them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth, so that the world may believe you sent me, so they may be one as we are one, mm-hmm. so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you, that you have sent me and have loved them and have loved me, so that they will see my glory, so that the love mm-hmm. you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Like the goal isn't so that I may be glorified. It's right. so that they will be loved, that they will be one, and that they will know you. That's right. And I loved, I think one of the ones that you just read was one that I marked as well when Jesus is praying for all believers. One of those so that's is so that for the world to know you, God the Father, mm-hmm to know that you love them the way that you love me. Yeah. And I just thought, man, that is so beautiful. So it does wow, feel... that you love them the way that you love me. You love me. Yeah, let me see which Ooh. verse that was. Oh, yeah, it's here in... Um, so same chapter, we're still in 17, but verse 23, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I mean, that's a big love. And then we ask, do you believe this is true? Yeah. Like, do you believe, Amanda, do you believe that the Father loves you as much as He loved the Son? Yeah. I was going to say, I think I believe that with my head, but I'm not sure I always believe that with my heart. It might actually be the other way around. I don't know. But the point being, I do, Mm -hmm. and I believe it with my head. Like, I do know. That like, that is true. I know and believe and trust that scripture, anything that's right. that scripture says that's right. is true. But I don't... But do I live like it? Do I doubt it often? Yes. Do I forget it often? 100%. Yeah. 100%. I probably doubt it and forget it an equal amount. I'm trying, yeah. I was trying. I was about to say, I think I doubt it more than I forget it, but whatever. The point being, yeah. <laughs> Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. And then just that theme, especially in Jesus praying for all believers, like verse 21, may they all be one as you, Father, mm-hmm. are in me and I am in you. This like repeated themes of unity, it honestly like makes me think of Paul in Ephesians talking about husbands and wives, parents and children. Right. And then we know that when he talks slaves and masters, he's talking about like people with authority over other people. So right. bosses and employees, like looking for unity. That's something that Jesus prayed in his Lord's Prayer for mm-hmm. us to have unity. It's not something that Paul suggested. Paul didn't decide years this later. is a great idea. And you know what? What if we all got along? Yeah. No, this is Jesus praying this for us when he names us to the Father, that we would be one, that we would have unity. And not just like any old unity, not like right. earth-like unity, but That's unity right. like Jesus has with the Father, who they are one in a Trinitarian way. Yeah, yeah. And that's a lot of what we see in John is Jesus, you know, calling them to something more. And then you just have to think, like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean to read that Jesus is praying that we would be unified? Like, how does that change the way that we actually do live and treat one another? Like, I think it's one thing to know that that's what the prayer said. Mm -hmm. And it's another thing to go, oh. How do we do that? Okay. Yeah. And it makes me thankful for Paul's letters. Yeah. Because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write down some more further instruction. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what we know that our Savior said and what he calls us to. And then here is how that how that looks. Mm-hmm. Like, here's how we're going to live that out. Like, if we were like, well, you know, what is the will of God? It's unknowable. No, 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 no. Right. Every one of these so that's is the will of God. Right. Yeah. I just am thankful for this chapter because it really does feel like a moment where it is still action. Like, Jesus is, you know, praying. This is part of the narrative that yes. Jesus is praying and quite a lengthy prayer. 
But then it also does feel like a moment where we're kind of brought to a higher view of just what's happening. It feels like a shifting moment. Right. Because all of those so that's like there's a lot that God is accomplishing and a lot that Jesus and his ministry is accomplishing. And it sets us up to turn the page to chapter 18. And there's so much action happening in this one little reading day. I mean, in the first section, I mean, you get Jesus is betrayed. So Judas betrays Jesus. This betrayal happened in Gethsemane, I think, right? Yeah. So it would have happened after the prayer in Gethsemane. So we don't necessarily get... Which is not the same prayer that we just read. Right. But another prayer because we get it from a different gospel. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it says they come with... Listen to the language of this. I wasn't going to read this, but... Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And so I'm just picturing them in this sacred space of the Garden of Gethsemane where they have spent time together. Yeah. The disciples and Jesus. And Judas. And Judas. And then here he comes with all of this like violence, Mm -hmm. like into this space. And then verse four says, then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, who is it that you're seeking? And so they, and we know the story, you know, Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss and Peter gets all up in arms. Well, because they've come in with weapons. And so Peter cuts off a servant to a high priest, cuts off his ear. And Jesus says, put your sword away. Yeah. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Yeah. And he'll he'll say more about that later when yeah. he's talking to Pilate. You know what stuck out to me about this moment in the garden? I maybe just have never noticed this before, but right at the beginning of chapter 18, it's saying, after Jesus said these things, which is, of course, this prayer that he just prayed, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew this place. And then this line because Mm -hmm. Jesus often met there with his disciples. I somehow thought that the Garden of Gethsemane was reserved for this one occasion. Uh But instead, it says Jesus often went there. Like, this was a place that was frequented by them. This was familiar to them. And you think about, like, okay, well, like, all the other times that they went for other casual reasons or to pray or for whatever, Mm -hmm. was Jesus thinking, like, this is the place that, Judas is going to betray me because he has this knowledge. And then, you know, of course, in the next verse, it says, knowing everything that was about to happen to him. And I just... Oh, I hadn't thought about that for the previous times. Having been there, like it was like a casual place that they went often. I don't know where Casual is probably not the right word to use, but you know what I mean. But this is the place where I'll be arrested Mm -hmm. prior to my death. And in all of those times, Judas was there with him as a quote-unquote friend. Right. As a follower. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was he was arrested in a familiar place, not yeah. in a one-time visit place. I don't know. I think that that just stood out to me. Yeah. I don't think I'd realize that either. That's why the note about just how violent the like entry was, mm-hmm. that they're coming in with, it's nighttime, and they're coming in with torches and lanterns, and they have their weapons mm-hmm. drawn, that like they're entering into this space that was familiar. And I just, I don't think I'd recognized yeah. all that either. And then the other thing that stuck out to me in verse 11, it says, you know, after Peter had cut off the ear and it said at that Jesus said to Peter put your sword away am I not to drink the cup the father has given me and I just think about all the times even in the book of John but in the other gospels as well that we read these intense moments you know these accounts of Jesus doing something big and then kind of slipping out of the crowd sort of evading the moment them wanting to capture him and him mm-hmm. getting away yeah but then in this moment yeah. in gethsemane he says am i not to drink the cup that the father has given me he had every ability to uh-huh. evade the moment just as he had mm-hmm. lots and lots of times before but this was the time yeah and we'll continue to see that intentionality and jesus walking into this as in these trials like you know on the surface i mean he's captured he's taken First to Annas and then to Caiaphas and then finally to Pilate. Yeah. It looks like, you know, it's a kangaroo court. Is that what we call it? (laughs) Like he's just dragged from place to place and no one quite knows what to do with him. But there is still, you know, John, if we think about John's purpose for writing is to show Jesus as the Son of God. And even in these moments, especially in these moments in the trials and Jesus walking to his crucifixion, John, by the details that he gives, makes it clear that Jesus was still the one with authority. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we're going to see a lot of that. Now, we won't read it all, but it is important to note that what is happening kind of in the background in the meantime is that Peter denies Jesus three times. Mm-hmm. And so that is something that happens as Jesus is being taken from place to place. But I want us to read a little bit of Jesus before Pilate. Yeah. So one thing to note, Ray, and I know that we've talked about this before, is that this is happening during the Feast of the Passover. Yeah. So here in, now we're in John chapter 18 and verse 28 says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves, otherwise they would be defiled and unable to eat the Passover. And so Pilate comes out to them. And so that note there that it is time for the feast of the Passover is a big deal. And so then we get this really fascinating exchange with Pilate. Yeah. I'm going to read a little bit of it for us, starting in 33. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Because, side note, this was the accusation, right? Is that he's calling himself the king of the Jews. Right. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you about me? I'm not a Jew, am I? Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? This is Jesus speaking. My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And we saw him just do that, right? He said, Peter, put your sword away. Mm -hmm. We're Mm -hmm. We're not fighting. You are a king then? Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth? said Pilate. Oh, that line. Oh, that line. What is truth? Okay, Rachel, once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, you and I wrote a book together. That's true. It was about, what, five years ago? Um, Six? Who went on six? Six years ago. Almost six, yeah. That was a long time ago. We had to do a lot of math just then. Yeah, We did. We don't do math. We mm-hmm. do words sometimes. Mm-hmm. And one time when we were doing words, we were writing a book, and you came up with a term that you put into the book, and publishers tried to take it out. Yeah, they were like, that's not real. <laughs> that's not yeah. a real thing. And you held the line, which is one of my favorite things about you that you do. But the term was truth adjacent. Yeah. And that's what came to mind as I was reading this. Yeah. And Pilate goes, what is truth? Yeah. So tell us for a minute, Mm -hmm. take us back in time, tell us for a minute, what is truth adjacent? And like, I feel like that is so relevant to this, what we're reading. Yeah. Well, y'all know I love Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and he is quoted as saying that discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. Discernment is knowing the difference between almost right and right. Mm -hmm. And that is something that was true then when Spurgeon said that, Yeah, was true here between Jesus and Pilate, and is true for me today. Because almost right is really hard to distinguish or discern from true. Right. This truth adjacent versus true, unless we know what is true. And that's why we read our Bibles. That's why we know and seek and we start our days with truth, because truth adjacent Mm -hmm. will come at us all day long. Those of you listening have already heard some real truth adjacent things probably already today, and I know I have. And so, Pilate's going, you know, what is truth? And it is hard for him to discern that. And in this this narrative, he's going, like, there's even a part where it says later on, you know, he spent the rest of the time trying to free Jesus. That's right. He knows something is off Because truth was standing right in front of him. And I think that, I think that he discerned what truth was. And I think that he didn't choose to do all that he could. Right. He was afraid. Yeah, he He was was afraid. afraid. Well, and even the leaders who are putting Jesus on trial— The Jewish religious leaders, I mean, these were not, you know, villains. These were people who were respected in the community. Mm -hmm. They were leaders in the community, and it was their job to protect their people and their religious practices. Yeah. You know, they're in the context of Rome, Mm -hmm. of Roman rule. And so... If they have a guy who's claiming to be God and causing an upheaval, I mean, there's an element of what they're doing here where the motivation 
has some good in it. Yeah. You know, where they're like, you know, I'm not going to let this happen or whatever. But obviously, they're making some poor choices. Right. <laughs> you know, the prophecies in Isaiah where it says that like his own people will will reject him. Right. And so that's what's happening. And their job was to be looking for him. Right. 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 And they're telling, they're, they're reading the law and the prophets and they're saying this is what it says. They're doing a lot of right things. They're doing a lot of right things. But I mean, we read back in Advent, the last week of Advent, we read about Simeon and Anna mm-hmm. in the temple mm-hmm. waiting also for the Lord, but mm-hmm. they recognized him as a baby when he came because they they were looking for truth and they saw it. It helps me to remember that these were not just evil people doing evil all the time. These are people who got it wrong, but like really badly wrong. And thought they were getting it right. And that's me. I, I know. do that. Like I know. I'm whispering it so that hopefully it'll make it less true. Yeah. But like that's me. I mean, how many times am I so sure mm-hmm. that I'm on the right side of something, which mm-hmm. is a terrible way to put it. I don't even like that language. You know, I'm learning all the time of the things that I don't know. Yeah. Okay, friends, I know it seems like Christmas was just here yesterday, but the season of Lent is already upon us, and we are thrilled to present to you our 2022 Lenten reading plan. It's called Come to Life, a Lenten study of Ezekiel. We're going to open up this study together and move toward the cross with the prophet Ezekiel as our guide. We're going to lament over our sin, but we're also going to rejoice in the good news of the empty tomb and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. So I hope that you will join us as we prepare to arrive at Resurrection Sunday with a renewed understanding of the gospel of Jesus. Head to shopshereadstruth.com to order your Lent study book today. That's shopshereadstruth.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Daigle Bites podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Daigle. I'm a singer that hails from the deep swamps of Louisiana. I ventured my way up to Nashville to take the risk of jumping in on the pipe dream of singing on stages other than the ones I grew up seeing. Along this journey, I wrote a song called You Say, and what came next absolutely changed my life. I found myself in tour buses, singing on stages all over the world. And every single night I would get asked the question, what would Lauren Daigle be doing if she hadn't pursued music? Well, this season of Daigle Bites is answering just that, and I'm bringing you along with me on this adventure. Every week, I chat with some of my heroes outside of the music world, ranging from astronauts to florists to authors, to learn what drives their creativity, passion, and purpose. You can hear new episodes each week only on Amazon Music. You know, all of this... You know, this truth conversation is part of this moment where Jesus makes it very clear. My ki- he says it, my kingdom is not of this world. Yeah. And so, he's not unclear. Right. Yeah. No, he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not unclear. And yet we're all real confused. In Barabbas, we get Barabbas enters into the picture. And so we'll read more about him. But Pilate says, he's like, I find no grounds for charging him. Yeah. And he he offers Barabbas, he offers this like get out of jail free card. Yeah. You know, like there's a custom that at Passover I release to you one prisoner. And so he's saying that so that they'll say, Oh yeah, yeah, let's release Jesus. We'd rather have found, Jesus than the other guy who Right. Who is, you know, we don't get as much information in John, but in the other Gospels, we get a picture of a person who's committed multiple crimes. Right. So robbery, insurrection, murder. Like he's he's not a good dude. John only describes Barabbas as a revolutionary. A revolutionary, which yeah. could be a positive thing. Right. But it is not because we know other things mm-hmm. about Barabbas. But I don't want to leave this day because look what's in this day, Rachel. Mm. Look at the end of it. That's right. Isaiah 9. Two through seven. This is, you know, we we just read this in our Advent study, but I love that this is calling us to think about the big picture of what's happening here. Yeah, that's good. That we have a Messiah who is bringing the outsider in, who is growing the kingdom. You have the verse Isaiah nine three. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus is 
is growing the kingdom. Yeah. I mean, he is gathering people to himself. We're called sheep in John, that he is the shepherd who is the gate for his sheep. In verse four, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders and the staff of the oppressor. He is the king of kings. He's a different kind of king. And it's why they're so threatened. He's presenting himself as the son of God. Because he is. And you think about the Pharisees, the rabbis, all the, the chief priests, these guys, they're the ones that can read. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have possession of the scrolls of Isaiah. They're the ones who mm-hmm. are teaching and reading out loud, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given, That's right. and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And they're the ones who are reading the dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. Yeah. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. And please take this Jesus guy and crucify him. Right. Man, I want to know where am I doing that? I know. I know. Well, and even as we move into chapter 19, the very beginning of chapter 19, again, just these little verses that are so easy to read past. Verse 1, then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and were slapping his face. This is Jesus' inauguration as king. Yeah. But this is the upside down kingdom. This is not what it was supposed to look like according to, you know, it's one of the reasons they didn't recognize him. Right. This is not, it wasn't supposed to just be this ruddy guy mm-hmm. with no good looks, you know, yeah. as Isaiah kind of tells us from a little town yeah. called Nazareth. Like it wasn't supposed to be like this. There's supposed to be, it's the king of kings. Yeah. There's supposed to be grandeur. Yeah. And, and instead, he said, I mean, he gave it advance notice just as the serpent in the desert had to be lifted up. So the son of man will be lifted up. That's right. And, you know, Pilate wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And they were like, no, 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 you have to say he says he's the king of the Jews. And he answers... I've written what I've written. I love that part. But you're right. I hadn't thought about it. You're right. It's the inauguration. Well, I hadn't either. The team pointed it out to me. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. He's being high and lifted up, but in a way that is the opposite of what anybody Uh who had read the scroll of Isaiah anticipated. And what's crazy, Rachel, is that even as I read those study notes, that like, this is Jesus' inauguration as king. He's got a crown. He's got a robe. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't He's like got wine. That. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I didn't like that because, you know, there's a part of me that is like, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what power looks like. You're so right, though. I mean, because you who has a She Reads True study book in your hands, uh-huh. you have the whole story in print in your language. Right. And so you know that he's going to resurrect. You know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And still, it makes me kind of itchy and scratchy, too. Yeah. Just like, oh, this I This is don't. beneath you, God. But Jesus, could you have done that? Like, could your inauguration have been a little more? I know. I know. The way I want it to look. It just reveals my heart, like, big time. And wow, yeah. As it should. I mean, this is the story of the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we know. We know the story. We know what happens. They crucify, crucify. There are shouts. Pilate is saying, you crucify him. I have no charges. I have no grounds Mm -hmm. for charging him. And they call upon the law. The Jewish leaders are like, listen, according to our law, he has to die. I mean, think about that. The son of God who fulfilled the law on Mm -hmm. our behalf, they're using it against him to put him to death. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's irony all over the place. But this moment with Pilate where it's like he's trying one last time. This is before he writes on the sign that you just Mm -hmm. talked about. So Pilate, more afraid than ever, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he goes back in, talks to Jesus one more time. Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? (laughs) You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given you from above. I mean, this is this is that moment mm-hmm. of no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. And it's not just broad, like I have the authority, you don't, but it's specific in that they're having this conversation and the handing over is happening. Literally in verse 14, it was the preparation day for the Passover mm-hmm. and it was about noon. Yeah. And then Pilate told the Jews, here is your king. 
the timing, mm-hmm. the specificity. It wasn't like, and they finally got me. It was so, the one that was in control never stopped being in control. Yeah. And the never one who stopped, wrote the story. And never stopped giving, That's not right. being taken from. I mean, you think about our Trinitarian God mm-hmm. who wrote this story down to the minute, and he's also the one that had to walk it out. And it was always going to happen at that moment. That's right. And even, I mean, you talk about specificity, which is a fun word to say, Mm. that moment of the three Marys at the cross. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my heart. I Mm -hmm. mean, we don't even, I don't have anything profound to say other than just how beautiful that standing there at the cross was his mother, we know as Mary, Mm -hmm. his mother's sister, who was Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. And there's that moment where Jesus says to, you know, John is also standing there, the disciple, and Jesus says to Mary, his mom, says, woman, here's your son, and to John, here's your mother. Mm -hmm. But just that moment of like, even in this moment, he's caring for Mm -hmm. his mama. Yeah. Even in the biggest, like, greatest injustice of all time. Right. He's seeing Mm -hmm. and he's providing. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Oh, there's so much here, but I think we need to keep going and let's get to probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible, Mm. John 20. Mm -hmm. I love it so, so much. Mm -hmm. We get our girl, Mary Magdalene, who just can't help herself. (laughs) She's going back to the tomb on the first day of the week. Let's read some of this. My heart wants to read it all. I know. Of course, we have limited time, and I do want us to get through both of these last two reading days. Yeah. Because it is the end of the study and the end of the book. I agree. But will you read for us, Rachel? Sure. And uh, let's do verses 1 through 10. Okay. I love the details of this, y'all. Don't forget, yeah. John is the author of this, so he's the guy giving the narrative. Right. And so when you <laughs> when you hear the disciple, he's talking about himself, and you'll notice he has a couple of... Details that almost make you giggle because he, uh-huh. Sorry, wants, I already he wants you to know. Okay, from John 20, verse 1. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb, so she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. So again, when we say the other disciple, it's John. And to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. (laughs) Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first... Then, then also went in, saw, and believed, for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. So John wants us to know that he had a PR that day. Just to be clear. Just a personal record and just got to the tomb first. Not just the one that Jesus loved, but the quickest. That's right. So this is so interesting to me that you have Mary Magdalene, mm-hmm. Peter, and John, mm-hmm. and they see that Jesus is not in the tomb. And the two guys leave. And then, Amanda, I know we have to not read everything. But I want to. But will you start us in verse 11 and read what happened next? So in verse 11, it says, But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing that he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. (laughs) Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said to her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mm. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. I mean, just full stop. 
So good. And Rachel, when we spoke with Anne, when Anne was on the show for week three, we read John chapter 10. Mm. And we read about Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. And we talked about how the sheep know the shepherd's voice and how that is not just a metaphor. That's also like a real thing with yes. sheep. Yes. That they know the specific yeah. voice of their shepherd. Like Anne was saying that her sheep on her farm will come to her, but they won't come to her husband, <laughs> which is the best um, because he is the actual farmer, but she is the one who tends them and yeah. they know that. Yeah. And, um, and who cares if for them? If I was a sheep, I would go to Anne too. I mean, listen, Anne's voice. There's no voice like Anne Voskamp's <laughs> voice. But she knew. When he said her name, the intimacy of this moment, just like her tears that kept her from recognizing him, or maybe it was the spirit, I don't know, but that it's the moment that he not only spoke, but said her name, Mm -hmm. and she knew. And then he said, go. Go and tell. Go, Mary. Tell him. Tell the boys. You, Mary Magdalene, Mm -hmm. woman who has multiple reasons for her testimony to not count in court. Yeah. (laughs) Like you have been an outcast. You have been possessed by demons. You are a woman. Yeah. And you're not even one of the 12. Right. Right. You're not one of the core group, but you are going to be my first. You're the one. First evangelist. evangelist. You're going to go and tell. I mean, you know, friends listening, that we are linking that song. Yeah. Speaking of our friend Ann Voskamp, she Mm -hmm. and Sarah McIntosh and Ellie Holcomb. That's that right. Who wrote that? Okay. Yeah. So I, nobody says Ellie Holcomb with a question mark. <laughs> Ellie Holcomb. Uh, exclamation um, point. In our first Faithful album, they wrote a song called A Woman, which was nominated for a Dove Award. Congratulations. So great. But it sings that song of, then he said my name and I could not be silent. That's right. And he said, go and speak of go what you've seen. Speak of what you've seen. So I will speak of what I've seen. And, and oh, um, so good. we're for sure linking that in the show notes because yes. y'all will love that song if you haven't heard it yes, before. We are. We are. Is that not the thing that the guests should say? I shouldn't be saying things that are going in the show notes. <laughs> I'm overstepping. Oh, yeah, you get a demerit. Yeah, but it's okay. We'll allow it this time. Judge rules. We'll allow it. Appreciate it. So she does. She tells them. Mm-hmm. And listen to this one. I know we really can't read every verse, but I am going to read the next verse. In verse 19, when it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Hmm. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. And he says it again, peace be with you. And so that they're literally huddled behind a locked door mm-hmm. out of fear. Jesus comes in. He doesn't use the door. He just comes in <laughs> in his resurrected you know, glory. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. Is he glorified? The scientific glorified? details yeah. of his glorified body, we don't know. No, no. Don't yes. ask me. Please don't ask me because yeah. I don't know. But he comes in and he says, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. And so that peace he's promised, he's mm-hmm. already showing up with it, right? And then in 22, he sa- it says, after saying this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Mm-hmm. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. There's so much in that that I don't know so how much. to unpack, but wow. So much. Yeah. Yeah, so much. We also, oh, you're going to get, guys, on Thursday, you're going to get to read about Thomas mm-hmm. and how he wasn't there when Jesus came in to that one appearance. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, oh, I just don't know. I'm going to need to see him in touch. You're going to read it and you're going to love it. If you want to have like a longer chat about Thomas, mm-hmm. I think back in 2020, the summer of 2020, we had an episode when we were doing the people in the Bible we and, did, you're right. Yeah, so we'll link that episode because there's a there's an note. episode where we talk about, I think with Jada Edwards maybe, where we talk about Thomas yes, yeah. more at length. That's great. I do have to give you another demerit, but I am grateful. I I'm so no, sorry. I'm so yeah. glad you told us. I'm just kidding. There yeah. are no demerits here. I'll take it. I do want us to get to chapter 21, but we get this little moment. I don't know why John put this note here, but maybe it's because Jesus, it comes after the moment where Jesus says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And then John writes in verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that you that he's talking about is you, dear reader. That's right. Because... 
we didn't get to see these things, right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus has just said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Mm-hmm. And then John says, that's actually the purpose of this book, of mm-hmm. this, this gospel, this account that I'm writing. But the fact that that note follows the account of Thomas is... Oh, yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Yes. He, he needed to see to believe, but blessed are those who believe without seeing. There's a lot more to prove that could prove that this is true, but these things are written that you would believe. Yeah. Yeah. I love, love, love the last, I know I just said I love, 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 mm-hmm. chapter 20, but this last reading day, it's titled Jesus' Final Invitation, and it's so sweet to me that we get a couple of things in this final chapter before John closes his gospel. We get Jesus' third and final appearance to his disciples before his ascension, mm-hmm. and we get Peter's restoration, mm-hmm. where Jesus restores Peter. And I just think that these two accounts, they happen at the same time, like the setting is the same. And I mean, there's just a, a heading dividing them in my Bible, but it's the same. They're in the same place. Right. And they're so intimate. Mm-hmm. And I love it so much because like we were talking about with Jesus' inauguration mm-hmm. as king, that it's just not what you would think. Like, we're not going out with a bang here. I mean, Mm -hmm. he does kind of when he ascends, but there's a limited audience even then, right? Mm -hmm. But in this, this third appearance to the disciples is Jesus providing for them by filling their nets with fish and then cooking breakfast. It's this like unspecial moment, like right. But there's nothing really. It's like when um, when Toby gets a scan at the hospital and it says this is unremarkable. It's actually my favorite words to see oh, because yeah. unremarkable in medical terms right. means like two thumbs up. Yeah, but this is unremarkable. It's like I mean it is remarkable. He does a miracle and fills the you know. But he that's fills the thing. It's fish. couched in between all of these very remarkable moments and right. chapters, and then there's this so quiet. We're living life, and they're like out fishing while the risen lord is like also out and about no big deal so okay (laughs) but you think about this moment and i read this you know in preparation for this conversation but even again this morning i was looking at it and i just thought the specific need meeting that Uh happened here 100 the care and then like something that like literally stuck out to me this morning they of course like threw the the nets over caught nothing and then jesus would like throw them on the other side and like The nets teemed with fish. 153 fish. And so verse (laughs) 9 says, When they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said to them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. First of all, 153 feels like a really specific number. And here's what I like about that. Somebody took the time to count them. Yeah. That was not a You'll never believe. That it's wasn't like, an estimate. Right. It wasn't like more than twelve dozen. Mm-hmm. Amanda, it makes me just think like, take the time to count the fish. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred and fifty-three. And it was Write Jesus down. Jesus mm-hmm. causing these fish that also obey his word to not be on one side of the boat, yeah. to swim into the net on the other. And the provision, it's not like, well, what a special number. No, no, no. It's what a special moment to remember to count the fish. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's an Ebenezer type of thing. It is. Yeah. And Jesus said, come and have breakfast, Jesus told him. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew Mm -hmm. it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to him, did the same with the fish. This sounds familiar. This was now the third time he appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I just love how... In so many ways, it was just an average day, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. it wasn't Mm -hmm. because of what just happened, Mm -hmm. but they still needed to make a living. They still needed to catch fish. They still needed to eat breakfast. Right. And he's there with them in those moments. And he'd already evidently caught some fish and had them on the fire. I mean, just like all of the little details of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the detail that we get where... It says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And then he does that two more times. And he gives Peter the opportunity, the dignity of proclaiming faith in him, in Jesus, three times, just as he had denied Mm -hmm. Jesus three times. Mm -hmm. And so that moment 
between friends, between the Messiah and his disciple, mm-hmm. is just so specific. The guy who cut the ear off of the guy in the garden and mm-hmm. all the other things. Oh, blessed Peter. That's right. That's right. And then Peter, bless him, he has this moment where, you know, because Jesus says at the end of this threefold restoration with Peter, he says, follow me. Mm-hmm. And Peter, good old Peter, turns and points to John and says, Lord, what about him? <laughs> and Jesus says, if I want him, this is verse 22, if I want him to remain until I come, Jesus answered, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. Mm-hmm. And so this moment of like, keep the main thing, the main thing, mm-hmm. Peter, Amanda, <laughs> Rachel, mm-hmm. keep the main thing, the main thing, follow me. You're worrying too much about what everybody else is doing and about right. the details. Just, just follow me. I said it when I first called you, and I'm saying it now. After you've seen everything that you've seen, mm-hmm. I'm telling you to follow me. And then it caused confusion, and everybody started focusing on the wrong thing, and even the disciples struggled to keep the yeah. main thing, the main thing. Yeah. But this is John writing this, and it's a story about that's right. This and, rumor that he was never going to die. Right. And this wasn't the end of that story. This was not the end of their time. Right. This was the end of their time with Jesus on earth. This was not the end of their time with the spirit of Jesus who lived in them. Yeah. And interestingly, I mean, John did live for a very long time. He is the guy, uh, the guy on, <laughs> on the island of Patmos who, right. who sees the vision and records the vision in the events of the book of Revelation. Yeah. Same guy. This last verse, I want you to read it for us, Rachel. The last verse of the Gospel of John, and it's for some reason it makes me, it conjures up images to me of like Bell's library and Beauty and the Beast. (laughs) It makes me just feel like kindred to John because he's imagining books. But read this verse for us. Verse 25, and there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if every one of them were written down, I suppose not even the world itself could contain the books that would be written. And that's it. And that's it. That's That's the the last last verse. It's such a dot, dot, dot to be continued. And, (laughs) you know, in that moment in time when John writes that, Mm-hmm. That was true. And think of all the things that Jesus has done since. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. the things in my own life, the 153 fish in my own life that Jesus has done, That's were right. they to be written down, even the world can contain the books. Yeah. I'm so grateful that John wrote it down. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful yeah. that the Holy Spirit guided his pen and wrote it down, and that we have all of these stories that we've been reading over the last five weeks. And they're not just stories. They're true accounts of the Son of God walking the earth Mm -hmm. and living among us and dying the death we deserve, and then rising again and defeating death. Where Ellie Holcomb says, like, he (laughs) walked out of that grave. That's right. I've heard her say it once. I've heard her say it a million times, and I love it. He walked out of that grave and defeated death. Mm -hmm. And that's the Son of God. And John has laid so beautifully laid out this case Mm -hmm. to show us who is Jesus. He is who he says he is. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Rachel Myers I dare say you're my favorite guest. Well, hey, thank you. <laughs> so We're going to have um, to turn the tables sometime and have you be my guest. I know. Okay, so real quick, we have a tradition here on the oh, Sheer Truth Podcast where we spend an hour mm-hmm. looking at beauty, goodness, and truth in Scripture, and goodness gracious, we find it. Mm-hmm. But at the end of our episode, we like to ask our guest, where are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth in your life? that's pointing you to Jesus. Mm, I have missed being here with you on this podcast. And you've been missed. And in all honesty, you know, there are things that are personal about that, but this is what I want to share. We all have things. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I get to take the microphone and say and proclaim is that I have always known that the presence of God is available to me mm-hmm. in that He is near me. That's right. And there was a season while I was not here with you all that while the world may have pointed to that as a dark season, I was really sick. And there was a lot of sort of some mystery around what was plaguing my body. Yeah. And Amanda, at that time, I had always heard that Jesus was near and I knew <laughs> it to be true and I had That's sensed right. it to some degree. I have never in my life experienced the closer than the tears on my face nearness of God and the presence of God. 
I get to say that in the valley, he is close. Amen. And I never wish that for anyone, but yeah. I do wish the experience of the nearness of God the way I experienced That's it. Right. Well, and we know, partly because of what we've just read, mm-hmm. that it's not an if you're in the valley. It's one day when, yeah. when you are in the valley, mm-hmm. Jesus will be close. And at the risk of co-hosting, <laughs> that's what we're going to get to talk about going into our next reading plan. That's right. The do not fear reading plan. Oh, it's y'all. Not we're the if the valley, but the when the, the valley. When. That's right. That's exactly right. We're going to kick off that series, our do not fear series with Sissy Goff. Mm. It's going to be such a special episode. We're really excited to talk with Sissy. And Rachel will be back with us. That's right. That one. We are so glad to have you back. Thanks, the Lord. And friends, I hope that you will return with us. Enjoy your reading in John this week. Follow through. Finish the race of reading the book of John. There's so much goodness there for you and beauty and truth. Mm-hmm. And join us back here next week as we start Do Not Fear. Until next week, Rachel Myers. Ah! Do you happen to know what do we tell our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs> <laughs>